The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsors, Benedictine College and Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash I Think Bigger. Our guest today is Marty Zwilling. He's the founder and CEO of Startup Professionals. That's a company that provides products and services to startup founders and small business owners. And there is a difference between founders and small business owners, which we'll probably talk about in the interview. Marty is very well known in entrepreneurial circles. He's been published on Forbes, Harvard Business Review, The Huffington Post, Gust, and Young Entrepreneur, just to name a few of them. He writes a daily blog for entrepreneurs, and he dispenses that advice to a large online audience of more than 700,000 Twitter followers. He's also an advisory board member for multiple startups, the ATIF Angel Selection Committee, and entrepreneur in residence at ACU and Thunderbird School of Global Management. Welcome to the show today, Marty. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Now, as I mentioned, your company is Startup Professionals, and your mission really is to help entrepreneurs succeed, and, and I believe your tagline says something about you do that in a hurry. So how do you do that? Well, really, all I try to do is give practical advice uh, to start founders, entrepreneurs, uh, based on my years of experience in both big business and small businesses. It seems like uh, as an investor, as an advisor, in watching any number of companies uh, grow, uh, I feel really bad when I see people making uh, what I might call really naive mistakes. And so my objective is to tell you up front and to help you along as much as I can to keep from making those mistakes. Okay, and so if you if you don't make the mistakes, you, you can get to success faster. It's very disconcerting to see people uh, spend the many, many hard hours and lots of people's money and then, uh, you know, fail miserably simply because they weren't aware that uh, how to how to address customers or how to address competition or something that uh, others may have learned a long time ago. Right. You know, it's always amazing to me that with as many people out there like yourself and as many uh, places that entrepreneurs can go to get a leg up and avoid some of those startup mistakes that they work in isolation so often, and it does, it just kind of kills you to see uh, that happening. So hopefully uh, people will learn from the information that you have and the work that you do. One of the things that startups are notoriously known for is that they're undercapitalized and, and they're always looking for investment. And as an investor yourself, what are the best pieces of advice you can give to startups who are trying to attract the attention of investors? Well, first of all, I, I say you should avoid the myth that uh, all you have to do is have an idea 
and somebody's going to throw money at you. It, it doesn't work that way. And in fact, I'll even go so far as to say that somewhat around 90% of entrepreneurs never need capital at all. In other words, they bootstrap their own effort. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, these days with the very low entry price of being able to create your own website and build your own uh, app with almost no money, I think you really need to think hard about how much money you need, whether you need money, and uh, whether you wouldn't be better off uh, going at yourself. Right. Now, I mean, that, that last thing you said is, is really important because I have known some startups who have said, if I hadn't taken the money, I might have still been in business because they go, well, it's not all, but a lot of them go out and spend it on things that they really shouldn't be focused on. And so sometimes having that money that you think you need can actually be really a, a nail in the coffin for you. That is so true. I, I have heard so many investors say that uh, this company or that company would have been better off without my money. They would have buckled down harder. They right. would have been uh, very much more conservative. They would have found all of those answers that they needed without spending a lot of money because money in your hands uh, attracts all kinds of spending habits. Absolutely. When you do invest, as I said, you are an investor. When you do invest, what do you look for when you're considering an investment? That's a very good question. In fact, uh, a lot of people don't understand this, but like most investors, I look for the people first, mm. not the idea first. In fact, uh, a lot of people call me and uh, contact me on Twitter and so forth and say, I have this great idea. I'm sure you're, you're going to be convinced it's worth a million dollars. And, <laughs> and, uh, to me, I, I have to say, I never look at the idea first. I look at the people first to see if they have what it takes in terms of attitude, experience, uh, team. Then secondly, I look for a plan, uh, execution. Have you written anything down? Do you have a viable business model? All of those things. And somewhere way down, you know, 29th or something, I, I will look to see if the idea makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Because it, it does have to be a good idea. But generally, I assume that you know more about your idea than I do. In other words, if it's a technology that's new, uh, you're the expert on it, so I'm not going to question that idea, even though that's what you'd love to talk about. When we talk about startup ideas, as you say, they they are, frankly, they're a dime a dozen. There are so many that are out there, and as you say, er everybody has them. They have more than one idea. So how do you know whether pursuing one idea is better than pursuing another idea? I mean, in other words, which ideas have the best chance of making it? Well, in terms of uh, the idea alone, you have to then go to opportunity, which mm -hmm. has the biggest opportunity. If, if it has, uh, you know, you can sell one to everybody in the world, that's a big opportunity. If, if you want to sell one to every doctor who works on, uh, you know, works on your stomach, that's a very limited set. And so I look at the size of the opportunity, not what your dream is of the size. In fact, investors like to say, I want a billion-dollar opportunity. Then I want you to segment that down to what you can achieve mm -hmm. and when you can achieve it. Sometimes we hear about, oh, you know, you can't just have an idea that's fun. Uh, although a lot of the apps that are coming out and so forth, really they're for connecting people and they're social in nature and they're fun. But what I hear sometimes is that if you have an idea that's going to solve a real problem, that those are the ideas that investors are after. Is is that true that they're Meteor oh, like that? Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I always say, what is the problem and how big is the pain? Mm. In other words, if it's not a painful problem, it's not a real problem. I, I get a lot of people come to me and say, 
this is my solution is easier to use than someone else's, but that's not painful. Or my solution is something they will recognize as useful once they see it. That's not painful. I'm looking for something like this will cure cancer. You know, that's a painful problem. And secondly, that's a problem that people are willing to spend money on or have money to spend. For example, the, the social entrepreneurs might say, I have the solution to world hunger. It will cure world hunger. The problem with that is that uh, uh, the people who are hungry typically don't have any money, so mm-hmm. it may not be a business. Exactly. Well, there, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, one of the things that I get frustrated personally about, and I've heard others say this too, is that with all the technology advances that are out there, that there are so many of these of these younger entrepreneurs in particular are using that technology, as I said before, to create fun apps and to create ways to stay better connected, which it's good in and of itself, but there don't seem to be as many that are interested in the cures for cancer. Let's just continue with that. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's more of a focus sometimes um, among very talented young people, really, to stay with the things that are more on the light side? Well, I I think, first of all, it, it is uh, uh, because they're still a bit naive. I was young once, and, and I believe <laughs> I could were. change the world. But after you get a bit older, you say, maybe there's a reason why I need to earn some money because I have to put kids through school or I want to do something uh, more productive. So I think part of it is naivete. Another part of it is uh, our culture is one of having given our kids everything. And so maybe they don't even realize what it's like not to have everything that they want. That's true. Yeah, just just lack of life experience to know what the real problems that can be solved are. That's a great point. What is the startup community, uh, the state of the startup community right now? Uh, some people say, it's particularly the tech community, some people say that it's another bubble waiting to happen. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a new era. It's a great new era. There are lots of entrepreneurs, uh, primarily because the uh, cost of entry is so low. It used to be an you know, 20 years ago, it would cost you a million dollars to write a piece of software. Now you can write a, an app for a few thousand or less. That's one point. Another one is that, in fact, there's been so much kind of disarray in our economy, you know, in the world. People are looking around to say, let me try something different. So I think it's an incentive to go away from the mainstream a bit. Okay, you only see this continuing to build. You don't see uh, a bubble forming and about ready to pop like it happened at the, like in the early 2000s. No, I don't. I really think that uh, we need to get back to more and more entrepreneurial kind of thinking. And, in fact, uh, one of the initiatives I like is that almost every university, every school these days, starts to talk about an entrepreneurial major or classes. That, that 10 or 20 years ago was unheard of. right. And so I think that's a good message that every young person is hearing as they're coming through school. And now they have all of these do-it-yourself kind of things so that they're giving people a lot more hands-on kind of ability to do creative things, which can lead to entrepreneurship. Right. And some of these programs are even starting in high school now. And so that's that's another encouraging sign. Marty, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But when we get back, I want to talk to you about making that transition from being a founder to actually running a company and being a CEO. That's so hard for so many founders to master. We'll take a quick break. When we get back, we'll be talking some more with Marty's Willing. Do you practice entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship? Do you know how to show what you know? 
Benedictine College Executive MBA program has been the launching pad for many successful innovative products, services, and ventures. As the only one-year executive MBA program in Kansas City, our conveniently located North Johnson County campus and weekend class times will fit your busy schedule. Go to benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program. Before we get back to the show, I'm Kelly Scanlon, your host, and I'd like to introduce you to one of our new sponsors. The company is Audible.com, and if you're not familiar with what they do, they're a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to any of them on any device including what you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, don't go to their main website because you won't be able to get the offer if you do that. You need to go to our URL, audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. And if you do that, you get one free audiobook and a one-month free trial of the service. You need to use our special URL, audibletrial.com forward slash Thinking Bigger, in order to get that free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. That's audibletrial.com forward slash thinking bigger. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking today with Marty Zwilling. He's the founder and CEO of Startup Professionals. And with a name like that, you can imagine that the bulk of his work is with startups and with founders. And what I am interested in now, Marty, is how do you make that transition from a founder to a CEO? So many people jump into business ownership, starting their companies around an idea that they had, an idea that they were passionate about, in fact, and then they have a company on their hands if they do things right. They really have a company that's growing and they have to start working with a staff and with uh, customers and not everyone's equipped to make the transition to seeing that that picture that bigger picture in in the operational pieces so how how do you how do entrepreneurs do that well i think the best thing they can do is to find a mentor or a couple of mentors that can be maybe part of their advisory board or just informally mentors uh the fact is that no one these days can be a lone ranger you can't run a business by yourself so you have to be sensitive to effective ways to communicate what you're doing, effective ways to advertise what you're doing, and effective ways to work with other people, whether it be your own team or whether it be customers or investors or partners. Uh, And none of that is uh, something that you can only be born with. It's something you have to learn. And like we might have mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of schools are addressing that a little more these days, but it's still something that you have to address. In in that mentor mentoring relationship, what does it take for it to be effective? I know some people who have had very good experiences in mentoring relationships and others say, you know what, it was not worth it. And what what makes that difference between it being a good or a bad outcome? Well I think it takes both sides as it does in any relationship, but one of the things I try to tell my clients is that I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Right. Uh, if you want to hear something, then talk to your friends. Uh, I hope to be friendly. In other words, I'm very positive and very uh, above board, but I'm not trying too hard to be your friend. I'm trying to help you. And, in fact, sometimes there are some uh, heavy-duty kind of discussions that we need to have. And 
and all I ask is that you listen and that you absorb as much as possible and have an open mind. Uh, some people, uh, I have to admit, don't come with an open mind, and if you're determined that you know everything, then I will probably say good luck to you and, uh, you know, have at it. Right. What is the best way to choose your mentor or mentors? Should they be people who are experienced in the industry that you're trying to break into? Should they be people who uh, have more of a general business knowledge? Should they be people who have no knowledge about what you're trying to do so they can give you a, a you know, they, they can, you can bounce it off of them as uh, somebody who, who doesn't have preconceived notions about the industry? Well, I think mentors are ones who have a good general knowledge, but also ones that have some specific knowledge, if that's possible. It should be complementary to what your skills are. In other words, if you're a technical entrepreneur and you're an expert at writing software, then maybe you don't know anything about finance or very little about finance. So a good mentor would be a former CFO that has business experience, but also a former CFO in the software domain, which might have some of their specific knowledge that they can relate mm -hmm. to. Okay. When you were talking about the uh, making that transition from a founder to the real day-to-day -day issues that a CEO confronts in a business, one of the things you mentioned was getting the word out about the business, Get you know, advertising. Again, startups don't have a lot of of cash resources, and so to have a massive advertising campaign, what what do they do to get the word out? Can you give us some tips for effectively doing that? Well, I, I think the best uh, mechanism these days is social media. You know, I'm the, the guy who has done it. In other words, I've built my own business, Startup Professionals, through social media, through 700,000 followers, writing a blog, and being available for talking to groups and that kind of thing. I have established a, a visible kind of expertise around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's important to note, too, that social media can be incredibly effective. Uh, one of the misconceptions some people have is that it's truly not free, that it, if you do it right, if nothing else, it takes your time, which is you know very valuable to a startup. So it, it's a very effective way to get the message out, but for anybody out there who thinks that it's uh, – you know, have your lunch and, or have a free lunch. There's no such thing, uh, even even with that. So to be prepared for the time that it takes and to have a plan. You can't really, I mean, you've been effective because you have a plan for your social media. So you need to make sure you do that. That's absolutely true. I, I do believe that the uh, best entrepreneurs are willing and able to do almost anything themselves. In other words, as you start out as a one-person inventor or creator, then you do need to be willing and able to write uh, a blog or do some of your own work. And yet you have to have the sense, uh, business sense, to know that there aren't enough hours in the day that as the business grows, you no longer can do all that so that you have to delegate those things to someone who has the time and ability to do that for you. I, a lot of my mentoring, I find, is around that element where people are very good at working in their business, but they're not very good at working on their business. True. And so they run out of time. You know, they're killing themselves, and yet they won't delegate or they won't hire any help. Yeah, and that that's something else that sometimes comes with uh, maturity. And I, I think sometimes people think that, 
doing it themselves is uh, it shows maybe an investor perhaps that they're very engaged or they're very uh, hands-on in the business when that's probably the last thing that they should be doing sometimes and they, they as they grow anyway and they need to delegate those things so that they can free up their time to focus on the long term for the company it needs to be moved in a different direction or take advantage of a new opportunity or whatever it might be. Uh, like we've talked about, a lot of startups are short on resources, and yet many of the entrepreneurs that I know and that you write about, they, they tend to waste their resources. And you've written whole articles on this. What, what do you mean by they re- waste the resources that they have? What are you talking about there? Well, I think everyone has to recognize his own strengths and his own weaknesses. And unfortunately, a lot of people have been kind of taught to try and eliminate their weaknesses. So they spend a lot of time on things that they're not very strong at, whereas I believe a good entrepreneur highlights his strengths and really takes those to a level that can help him. And then he supplements his weaknesses with other people or other approaches that tools, whatever it takes to do that, uh, and, and doesn't try to do everything. I'll give you an example. I, I'm working with one CEO, and he he built his own company. He wants to do everything, and he believes that he has to drive it, so he hires helpers, people that he can tell how to do things, even if he doesn't know how to do them. I tell him to hire help. When I mean, What I mean is hire somebody that can do the marketing better than you can do marketing right? So, so that you can go back to doing those things that you enjoy, those things that are your strengths. Yeah, a great point, because if you hire helpers, you actually end up in the long run, I think, spending more of your time because they can't make a decision. They're constant, they'll constantly be coming back to you, asking you uh, how to do something and, and getting permission and basically driving you nuts and wasting more of your time in the long run. So great advice there. Hire help, not helpers. And what are just some other, in the couple of minutes that we have left, what are some the other tips that are absolutely necessary, perhaps that we haven't covered today, necessary for entrepreneurs to do in their startup days to get off on a good foot? Well, I I think one of the things we haven't talked about is that it's very important to put a plan down, to do a business plan. Mm -hmm. I I often get into debates with entrepreneurs who have read an article somewhere that says, oh, I I find out you don't need a business plan anymore. You can scratch (laughs) on the back of a napkin and and, uh, the VCs will throw money at you. I think a business plan is required for you first to understand whether you understand the business that you're trying to set up. And if you think it's all in your head, you're only kidding yourself. So write down the business plan. If it doesn't make sense or you can't fill it in, then you need to find some help, advisors or whatever, to make sure you have a plan or you have a business before you waste a lot of your time and everybody else's time or money to make something happen that won't happen. Absolutely. You have a book, Marty. Uh, You actually have a couple books. One is You Have What It Takes to Be an Entrepreneur, and another is Attracting an Angel. And obviously, we can't go into all of the advice and tips that you provide in those books, but if somebody would be interested in reading them, how would they get a copy? Well, they can go to to my own website. I have a a page on how to order the books, or they can order them from Amazon.com. I'm at StartupProfessionals.com. So, Either way, you can get a copy, you can get a digital copy or a hard copy. Okay, great advice today, Marty. Thank you for your time today. And uh, we'll be sure to continue to 
watch you on uh, watch your blog and your tweets on Twitter. And if you'd like to learn how to grow your business, you can visit us at www.ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at ithinkbigger or our Facebook page, Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.